Hello, just a quick note before we begin this week's episode. Now that we've passed 50 episodes, I've made a few tweaks to the podcast based on feedback from listeners. Nothing too drastic, but you may notice that the intro and the outro are different, and they're dramatically shorter. Everything else you'll be pleased to know remains exactly the same. Enjoy. I'm Rob Kirkup. Welcome to How Haunted, a weekly paranormal podcast where each episode we explore the horrible history and terrifying ghost stories of one of the scariest places on the planet. In episode 51 we visit Ireland and step foot into a 13th century castle that claims to be the most paranormally active castle anywhere in the world. But just how haunted is Leap Castle? Listener discretion is advised, as each episode of How Haunted will feature gruesome tales, horrific happenings, bloody murder, and ghosts. So many ghosts. Listen on if you dare. Leap Castle is a centuries-old fortress located in County Offaly in Ireland. It has a long and storied history, marked by both triumph and tragedies. The castle's origins are vague, with some sources claiming it was built in the 12th century, some say in the 13th, and others say in the late 15th or early 16th century. The most likely period of the castle's construction appears to be sometime in the mid-13th century. There is archaeological evidence which shows that it was built on the site of an earlier castle, which itself was built on an area which was used much earlier by Druids for religious ritual ceremonies. Evidence suggests that the area here has been occupied since at least 500 BC. Leap Castle was built to be the seat of the O'Bannon clan, a powerful Irish clan, and the castle served as their stronghold for many years. It was named Limu Bainan, meaning the Leap of the Bannons. Legend has it that the castle was built after two O'Bannon brothers competed for the chieftainship of their clan by jumping off a cliff. The survivor won the title and the castle was built on the spot where the loser died. It was positioned in a strategic location in the countryside, and it guarded the pass through the Sleeve Bloom Mountains. The O'Bannons were the secondary chieftains of the territory, and they were subject to the ruling O'Carroll clan. Before long, the O'Carrolls seized control of Leap Castle to expand their territory and consolidate their position and power in the area. The O'Carrolls ruled Leap Castle for several generations, and it was under their rule that the castle would experience the bloody period in its long history. Some sources claim that the castle was involved in the War of the Roses, which lasted from 1455 until 1487, but if this is true, details are scarce. In 1513, the Earl of Kildare, Gerald Fitzgerald, attacked the castle in an attempt to seize it. The attack was unsuccessful, but three years later he attacked again, and this time he managed to cause considerable damage to the castle. In 1532, 
A fierce rivalry for leadership erupted within the O'Carroll clan following the death of their leader, Mulrooney O'Carroll. This bitter fight for power turned brother against brother. On one fateful evening, one brother, who was a priest, was holding mass for his family in the room above the main hall of the castle. His brother burst in, and he murdered his sibling in cold blood in front of the horrified onlookers, when he plunged his sword deep into the unarmed priest's chest. The room is now known, for good reason, as the Bloody Chapel. The castle was involved in the Irish Confederate Wars, which was also called the Eleven Years' War, which took place in Ireland between 1641 and 1653. In 1642, the castle was besieged by forces loyal to the English Parliament. The siege lasted for several months, and the castle eventually fell to the Parliamentarians. After this war, the now badly damaged castle was abandoned and it fell into disrepair. In 1659, Leap Castle was granted to Jonathan Darby, an English soldier and planter. This was a reward for his service to the Crown. The Darby family lived at the castle for almost 250 years, and they repaired the castle and made significant renovations and improvements to the structure. The Darby family took great pride in Leap Castle. They saw it as a symbol of their heritage, and they wanted to make it a comfortable home for their family and the generation of Darbys to follow. Over the years, they made extensive renovations to the castle, transforming it from a dark and forbidden fortress into a more comfortable and elegant residence. They added tasteful features throughout the castle, such as the grand staircases and ornate fireplaces. This created a luxurious and sophisticated home. The castle also became a reflection of the Darbys' tastes and sensibilities, they filled it with fine art, furniture and other objects that they had collected over the years. The Darby's renovations to Leap Castle were not just cosmetic. They made significant improvements to the castle's infrastructure. They installed new plumbing and heating systems and they made the castle more accessible by adding new staircases and doorways. The central keep was also extended at great cost. Notable members of the Darby family who call Leap Castle home include Royal Navy officer Vice Admiral George Darby, George's nephew, Admiral Sir Henry de Estere Darby, who followed in his uncle's footsteps and was also a Royal Navy officer. Then there was Anglo-Irish Bible teacher John Nelson Darby. In 1798, Leap Castle was caught up in the United Irishman Rebellion. This significant uprising, led by Irish nationalists seeking independence from British rule, resulted in conflict and strife throughout the land. Jonathan Darby was sympathetic to the rebel cause and actively supported the United Irishman. As a result of his involvement in the rebellion, Darby was imprisoned in Dublin and Leap Castle was temporarily confiscated by British authorities. This confiscation of Leap Castle was a significant blow to the Darby family. The castle had been in their possession for over a hundred years and it was a symbol of their status and power. The British authorities' decision to seize the castle was seen as a political statement and it was a reminder of the precarious position of the Irish nationalists at the time. Eventually Jonathan Darby was released from prison and Leap Castle was returned to his family, but the impact of these tumultuous events would leave an indelible mark on Leap Castle's legacy. The castle would never fully recover from this confiscation and it would become a symbol of the struggle for Irish independence. The improvements the Darbys made to Leap Castle were costly, and to pay for these renovations they raised rent in the area and sold much of the land surrounding the castle. 
This is one theory for the cause of the castle being set on fire during the Irish Civil War in 1922. In 1922, the castle was set ablaze in mysterious circumstances. This fire caused devastating damage, leaving the once magnificent castle unoccupiable. Many priceless artefacts and historical documents were lost in the flames, adding to the challenge of piecing together the accurate history of Leap Castle. The Derbys received compensation for the damage caused to their home, and it was never lived in again. There was some suspicion that the fire may have been started by the Derbys themselves in order to claim the money, which was somewhere in the region of £22,000, which is the equivalent of around €1 million Euros today. However, this appears to have never been anything more than rumour and speculation. In 1974, after lying empty and ruined for over 50 years, Leap Castle was bought by an Australian historian by the name of Peter Bartlett. He had a connection to Leap Castle, as his mother had been a descendant of the O'Bannon clan. He worked alongside a builder by the name of Joe Sullivan to restore the castle to its former glory. However, Peter passed away in 1989, having never seen his vision for Leap Castle realised. In 1991, it was bought by musician Sean Ryan and his wife Anne. They continued the work started by Bartlett, and now the castle has opened its doors for guided tours. This offers a unique opportunity to experience this great Irish castle firsthand. Experiencing the grandeur of Leap Castle and hearing the stories of its turbulent history. And of course, Leap Castle is home to all manner of things that go bump in the night. In recent years, it's been recognised the world over for its paranormal reputation. Many visitors claim to have seen or heard ghosts in this castle and their own website boasts on its homepage, The World's Most Haunted Castle. The last ever Darbys to call Leap Castle home prior to the fire was Jonathan Charles Darby and his wife Matilda. Matilda was a hugely successful Gothic novelist under the pen name of Andrew Merry, and she had a huge interest in the supernatural, often hosting seances at the castle. In December 1908, she described the atmosphere and the things that she claimed to have seen at these seances to the journal Occult Review, a British illustrated monthly magazine which was published between 1905 and 1951. The article read, Suddenly, two hands were laid on my shoulders. I turned around sharply and saw, as clearly as I see you now, a grey thing, standing a couple of feet from me, with its bent arms raised as if it was cursing me. I cannot describe in words how utterly awful the thing was. Its very undefiableness, rendering the horrible shadow more gruesome. Human in shape, a little shorter than I am, I could just make out the shape of its big black holes like great eyes and sharp features. But the whole figurehead, face, hands and all was very grey, unclean, bluish grey. Something of the colour of appearance of common cotton wool. But oh, so sinister, repulsive and devilish. My friends who are clever about occult things say it is what they would call an elemental. The thing was about the size of a sheep, thin, gaunt and shadowy in parts. Its face was human, or to be more accurate, inhuman. In its vileness, with large holes of blackness for eyes, loose slobbering lips, with a thick saliva dripping jaw, sloping back suddenly into its neck. Nose, it had none, only spreading cancerous cavities the whole face being a uniform tint of grey. This too was the colour of the dark coarse hair covering its head, neck and body. Its forearms were thickly coated with the same hair, so were its paws, large, loose and hand-shaped, 
and it sat on its hind legs. One hand or paw was raised, and a claw-like finger was extended ready to scratch the paint. Its lustreless eyes, which seemed half decomposed and looked incredibly foul, stared into mine, and the horrible smell, which had before offended my nostrils only a hundred times intensified, came up to my face, filling me with a deadly nausea. I noticed the lower half of the creature was indefinite, and seemed semi-transparent at least. I could see the framework of the door that led into the gallery through its body. Mildred sent a letter to Sidney Carroll, again talking about the Elemental. It read, The last appearance of the Elemental were on November the 25th, 1915. On the gallery leaning with hands resting on its rail, I saw the thing. The Elemental had smelt it only too well. At the same moment my husband pulled up sharply about ten feet from the thing, and half-turned let fly a volley of abuse at me, ending, dressing up a thing like that to try and make a fool of me, and now you'll say I've seen something, and I have not seen anything, and there is nothing to see, or ever was. The writing of Mildred Darby of her experiences was the beginning of Leap Castle becoming synonymous with ghosts, ghouls, spectres and spooks, and she wrote far more about them, as we'll soon see. The connection between Leap Castle and the paranormal would simply grow stronger with each passing year and each passing decade as the stories, sightings and exposure increased, becoming much more widespread. This was aided in recent years by the castle appearing in several ghost hunting television shows shown all over the world. These include American TV's Scariest Places on Earth and the Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures filmed a Halloween special at the castle in 2014. In the UK, Living TV's Most Haunted investigated the castle way back in 2002, during the first series of the popular programme. It's hardly surprising that the building is allegedly so active, when you consider blood was spilt here before even the first stone was placed, the two O'Bannon brothers competing to lead their clan, one died and one lived, and the castle was built on the spot where the blood poured from the loser's broken body. When the castle was being restored by Peter Bartlett, and then subsequently Sean Ryan, both experienced poltergeist activity that resulted in tradesmen leaving the castle refusing to return, and it even resulted in injuries. Peter Bartlett, who is sadly no longer with us to tell us the specifics of what he experienced, confided in a friend during his time renovating the castle that all sorts of strange occurrences happened that he simply couldn't explain. Sean Ryan has openly spoke of the problems that the ghost of Leap Castle have caused him in the 32 years since he came here, while he was working on the castle, he'd have his tools to hand, but then he'd turn his back for a second, and when he turned back to pick up a tool that was right there, it had been moved right to the other side of the room. The carpenter who was employed by Sean to work on the wood panelling and floors left the castle one day, and simply refused to return or talk about what had happened to him. Worryingly, the activity experienced by Sean during his time at the castle has escalated, and on one occasion could have cost him his life. He was working high up on a ladder, when suddenly the ladder was pushed away from the wall. He knew if he stayed on the ladder, he could certainly face serious injury, so was left with no option but to jump from a huge height. When he landed, he fractured his knee. When his injury healed, he went back to working on the castle, but before long, another encounter with this malevolent spirit caused him a broken ankle. A medium to the castle has said that it isn't happy that he is changing their castle. Sean has heard his name called out loud, when he's been the only person in the castle. One of the best known ghosts set at Leap Castle is the Red Lady. She is said to be an unusually tall woman, 
who wields a dagger in her hand and is wearing a deep red dress, which gives her the name she is known by. People who have encountered this spirit have described feeling an immense coldness fill the room, as if the air itself has been sucked out. Then this coldness seems to seep into their hearts, leaving them feeling chilled to the bone and filled with dread. We'll never know who she is, or why she remains here exuding these emotions, but it's been written that the woman was grabbed by an O'Carroll, held against her will and raped. This resulted in a baby, but the baby was killed by the O'Carroll. The woman was distraught, she'd been through so much, and she simply couldn't take any more. She slit her own throat with a dagger that her ghost still clutches. This story dates from the time of Mildred Darby's occupation of the castle, and one of her friends who attended a Halloween seance at Leap Castle told the Occult Review, using the name O'Connell in the report rather than the actual name, in order to preserve the anonymity of the castle, as requested by Mildred Darby. It read, On the 31st of October I went in my bedroom about 11pm. During the night, 12.45 in the morning, as I subsequently saw my watch, I felt that I was awakened by somebody in my room. It was pitch dark, and at first I could see nothing. I was wide awake, with an extraordinary cold feeling, at my heart, that rapidly increased in intensity. Almost immediately I felt, as much as I saw that there was a tall figure in the middle of the room. My first impression was that O'Connell himself was there, as no other member of the household would correspond at that height. What is it? I asked. There was no answer. But I could now see, dimly at first, and with increasing directedness, that the tall figure was clothed from head to foot in red, and with its right hand raised menacingly in the air. To my utter astonishment, I could see that the light which illuminated the figure was from within, having very much the effect of the dark lantern used in a photographer's room. As the figure advanced towards me, the light increased, and I could see distinctly that the form was that of a very tall woman holding some sort of weapon, a knife or a dagger, in her hand. What is it? I asked again. Adam, who is it? and then I hurriedly struck a match and lit my candle. As the flame of my match and candle illuminated the room, I looked all around. The room was empty. Mildred Darby also wrote of this phantom in one of her own articles. There is a tall dark woman, in the historic scarlet silk dress that rustles. She haunts the blue room, which always used to be the nursery, and she sobs at the foot of the children's beds. A similar tale, which may be of the same fandom, but it's unclear, was described by Mildred Darby in another article which appeared in the Occult Review. There is a woman with very few clothes, and a red cloth over her face. She screams loudly twice, and then disappears. Another story was told by Mildred Darby to Irish Anglican priest St John D. Seymour. He wrote a book which was published in 1914 called True Irish Ghost Stories, and in that book appeared Mildred Darby's account. It tells of another woman who seemed to meet her end within the castle. One night I was sitting talking with my governess. I got up, said good night, and opened the door, which was at the top of the back staircase. As I did so, I heard someone, a woman, come slowly upstairs, walk past us to a window at the end of the landing, and then with a shriek fall heavily. As she passed it was bitterly cold, and I drew back into the room but did not say anything, as I might frighten the governess. She continued, There's a reenactment of the two O'Carroll brothers fighting over a lover. She was chased along the gallery and then stabbed. 
the altars appear and the entire keep is lighted up. In more recent years a paranormal investigator was terrified to witness two ghostly soldiers dressed in red coats. They appear to be breaking a young woman's arm, accompanied by a blood-curdling scream. The sound of children's laughter echoes through the halls at Leap Castle, and some say that the laughter is the sound of the ghosts of two young girls, Emily and Charlotte, who died at the castle centuries ago. Emily and Charlotte are believed to have lived in the castle during the 1600s. Emily was around 11 or 12 years old, while Charlotte is aged around 6 or 7. They are often seen playing together in the main hall and running up and down the stairs. They may have been sisters, we will simply never know. Little Charlotte has a deformed leg, which seems to be almost twisted entirely around. However, she doesn't let this stop her from playing. One tragic day, Emily fell from the castle's southeastern battlements and died. Her death appears to have been a terrible accident. Some people say that they have seen Emily's ghost fallen from the roof, only to disappear before hitting the ground. Others have heard the sound of a child's scream suddenly cutting out, which they believe is the sound of Emily's cry of death. Charlotte was deeply affected by Emily's death. She became withdrawn and reclusive. Some people say that Charlotte's leg was deformed as a result of the accident that killed Emily. Others say that the deformity was a birth defect, and that Charlotte's isolation was due to the stigma associated with disabilities in the 1600s. Whatever the cause of Charlotte's deformity, it's clear that she was a troubled child. She was said to have been possessed by a malevolent spirit, as she would often lash out at people who came near her. Some people believe that Charlotte's spirit still haunts the castle, and that she is responsible for the many strange and frightening occurrences that have been reported here. The ghosts of Emily and Charlotte are said to be two of the more active spirits at Leap Castle. They have been seen by many people, including visitors, members of the Ryan family, and possibly Mildred Darby. Mildred wrote of seeing a ghostly young girl, which may have been Emily or Charlotte, or perhaps another spirit altogether. She described her encounter. Another night I was sleeping with my little girl. I awoke and saw a girl with long fair hair standing at the fireplace, one hand at her side, the other on the chimney piece. Thinking at first it was my little girl, I felt on the pillow to see if she were gone, but she was fast asleep. There was no fire or light of any kind in the room. Sometimes Charlotte and Emily are seen in the company of an older female spectre. This has led to her being named the Nanny. She is sometimes seen alone, and her most frequent haunt is the main hall. Sean Ryan was once having lunch with a female friend in the main hall of the castle. The conversation turned to ghosts, and the friend was quick to point out that she didn't believe in such things. As they chatted and ate, something caught their eye. A lady, dressed entirely in clothing from the Victorian period, walked silently across the hall and vanished through a wall. The guest was quick to change her opinion on the existence of ghosts. The main hall is also where a ghostly old man is seen. He is seen sitting peacefully by the fire, and those who have seen him say that they didn't feel afraid. He seemed to offer no threat. Then he'd fade away, and it would dawn on them that they had just witnessed a ghost. Mildred Darby wrote of this particular spook. There's a little old man with a green cutaway coat, knee breeches and bright shoe buckles, holding a leathern bag in his hand, sometimes seen with a little old woman with skinny hands, long black mitts, old-fashioned dress and a big headdress. Both are sometimes seen with an old man dressed like a priest, with an intensely cunning face. The green old man tries to stop people. The Bloody Chapel is said to be the most haunted part of Leap Castle. It is said to be the home of the ghosts of many of the castle's former occupants, including the O'Carroll priest, who was murdered by his brother in a battle over the leadership of the clan. 
This murdered brother is seen here to this day, and he's been witnessed leaving the chapel via the western door to the bartizan and down the northern stairs. An intensely bright light has been seen coming from this room. This may predate the building being burned to the ground in 1922, but that's when it was first documented. To this day, people report seeing a bright light streaming out of the bloody chapel window of Leap Castle at night. This phenomenon has been reported by passers-by, neighbours and the Ryan family. The light is said to be so bright that it can be seen from miles away. It is often described as being a bluish or white light, and has been seen to flicker and change intensity. Neighbours and passers-by have called the Leap Castle telephone number to tell them all about this strange light, as it appears so bizarre when the rest of the castle is in total darkness. The Bloody Chapel is also home to the Oubliette, a small chamber in the northeast corner where prisoners were thrown to their deaths. The entrance to the Oubliette is a narrow hall that was originally fitted with a trapdoor. The name Oubliette comes from the French word for to forget, and that is exactly what happened to the prisoners who were thrown into this chamber. They were simply forgotten about and left to die. In 1599, Charles O'Carroll, the last chieftain of Leap Castle, was at war with the Earl of Tyrone. He hired the McMahon clan from Monaghan as mercenaries. After the McMahons had fought for the O'Carrolls, they were invited back to the castle for a feast. However, they were murdered in their sleep and their bodies were thrown into the Oubliette. Unsurprisingly, the restless, murdered McMahon clan are said to haunt the main hall to this day. The Oubliette was cleared out during the Derby's occupation of Leap Castle. It is said that there were three cartloads of skeletons removed from this chamber. Some believe that this gruesome discovery woke the spirits of the castle, who had been dormant for centuries. Sean Ryan has spoken of a man who seems to live in the Oubliette. The man is said to leave the bloody chapel on occasion and wander down to the lower levels of the castle. The murder hall room or muckle room is referred to in Mildred Darby's writings. It references the murder of the priest at the hands of his brother, so it seems likely she is writing about what we would refer to as the bloody chapel. However, not everyone agrees with this, and the castle's own website offers several theories as to the location of the room within the castle as we know it today. To me it seems likely that the murder hall could well be what she called the oubliette, but a definite answer may well be lost to history. Mildred wrote of the murder hall room. I put my hand out of bed, snapping my fingers to call her Nell, which was a terrier. My hand was suddenly in the grasp of another hand, a soft cool hand, at a temperature perceptibly below my own flesh. To say I was astonished would but mildly convey my feelings. After a few seconds of steady pressure, the other hand let go, and almost simultaneously I heard a heavy sliding fall, like the collapse of a large body at the foot of a bed. Then in the absolute stillness of the room there sounded a deep human groan, and some half-articulated words, or to be accurate, prayers. People have complained before, in fact. We don't generally put anyone in there now. The room is called the Muckle or Murder Hall Room, and the story goes that the stain on the floor is the blood of a man stabbed there by his brother. Two O'Carrolls quarrelled over the ownership of the castle. The room had been disused for 50 years or more when we did it up. The stain has been planed off the board several times, but it always comes again, creeps up from below in a few hours. The priest's house stands in the grounds of Leap Castle, but unlike the castle, has not been rebuilt following the fire of 1922. It stands a shell of its former self, charred and empty. The only sounds that echo through its halls are the wind whistling through the cracks and the occasional chanting that seems to come from nowhere. Those who have dared to venture inside have reported seeing shadowy figures darting through the rooms, and some have even claimed to hear the sound of heavy breathing or footsteps. 
However, the most disturbing phenomenon is the chanting. It is said to be a low monotonous chant that seems to come from all around. It often stops abruptly when it's noticed. Sean Ryan has reported hearing this on more than one occasion. Some believe that the chanting is the work of the spirits who were trapped in the priest's house when it was burned. Others believe that it may simply be the wind whistling through the ruins. Mildred Darby, who was here before the priest's house was destroyed, wrote of the following apparitions haunting the building. There is something heavy that lies on people's beds and snores, and they feel the weight of a great body pressing against them in a room in the priest's house. A burly man in rough clothes, like a peasant, he always pushes a heavy barrel up the back stairs of the wing, near the servants' bedrooms, and when just at the top, the barrel rolls down and all disappears. A monk, with a tonsure and cowl, walks in one window and out another in the priest's house. Throughout Leap Castle, visitors and the owners experience all sorts of inexplicable phenomena, with loud bangs and icy cold spots, even on the warmest summer's day, to actually feeling themselves being attacked, pushed hard, scratched and even bitten. Mildred Darby wrote of Noises like furniture being moved were frequently heard at night, and strangers, same with us, have often asked why the servants turned out the rooms underneath them at such an unusual hour. The front doorbell sometimes rang, and I have gone down, but found no one. You can follow How Haunted on Twitter at at HowHauntedPod or over on Instagram at HowHauntedPod where you will see photos galore relating to Leap Castle. If you want to get in touch, you can do so by visiting the website at www.how-haunted.com or you can email me at rob at how-haunted.com If you'd like to support the show, you can sign up to one of three Patreon tiers. They start at as little as £1. You can get yourself early access to the shows as well as a monthly bonus episode where I conduct paranormal investigations, talking you through the history, ghost stories, and what happened on the night itself. This is interspersed with audio from the ghost hunt. You can also get yourself some How Haunted merch, including a mug and a t-shirt. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash howhauntedpod. If you'd like to support the show but aren't a fan of Patreon, why not donate £2 at buymeacoffee.com forward slash howhauntedpod. All the links and information on how you can support the podcast are in the podcast episode description. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please consider leaving a review on your podcast provider of choice. It does help other people to find How Haunted. Next time out, we head to the most northern county in England, and in the first of a two-part special, we look at many of the haunted castles to be found in this wild, remote part of Britain. Join me next week, when together, we will go in search of the haunted castles of Northumberland. Thank you so much for accompanying me for our paranormal adventures once again. Stay safe, and join me next time, when we will once again ask the question, How Haunted? <laughs>